Season one, episode four, offers. Woohoo! Hello and welcome to Get Real. I'm Josh Morgan, aka the Renovating Realtor, and I'm here with my extraordinary co-host, Gavin Townsend. We're going to be covering a wide range of topics here on Get Real. All that and more, coming up next. Give. We're on offers. Yay. We've done buyer basics part one, part two. We've talked about a lot of things in those. One of those things was offers, making offers on houses. To most people, offers are just, I'll pay this much, right? Right. So much more. <laughs> not just scratching the surface when you're talking about price only. Yeah, it's not just price. We've already talked about that. It's not just price. It's also terms and conditions. Terms and conditions. Remember it. We're going to say it about 27 times in this episode alone. We're probably going to refer to it all the time throughout the podcast. It's not just sale price. Terms and conditions. And why would we care about terms and conditions, Josh? Well, terms and conditions, it's... Let me back up, right? The whole point about making a an offer look appealing is trying to find the point at which you can meet the seller's needs. Absolutely. And and so when you meet the seller's needs, that's when you're more likely you're in the strike zone of getting an accepted offer. Yeah. You're making a deal. It's not just a short order cook. It's not just write it on the piece of paper and say here it is, take it or leave it. It's how willing are both parties willing to negotiate the good old fashioned art of negotiation, which is coming back in a balanced market, a balancing yeah. market. Um, but you know, what do we mean by terms and conditions, not just sale price? Well, how long are you going to take to close the transaction? What type of financing are you going to purchase the, the home with? Um, what are you keeping with the house requesting in the house? Furniture, fixtures? Um, you know, you do want this, you don't want that. Are you going to quick close? Are you going to take forever to close? Are you contingent on the sale of another property? There's all these things that go into that. And so you need to start talking about that and thinking about that. Like when we said, number one step for buyers is pre-qualification. Yeah. Not long after that, when you get to the exciting part where you're looking at houses and all that fun stuff, you should be already talking about the fact the next very next step is talking about what really are going to be the terms and conditions of any offer? If you know you have a house to sell to be able to be qualified to buy, we have to consider that and discuss it. Absolutely. So, you know, what kind of, I guess, what type of offers are there? I mean, are there different types of offers? Absolutely. Um, no offer is the same. So when we are in multiple offer situations on a, t a particular property, for example, there's still low inventory folks and we still have less houses on the market than typically there are buyers, you might have multiple offers. And um, so you've got lowball offers, you've got a competitive offer, you have offers that are over list price, um, you have prices that, Josh, I'll let you speak to that, that are priced on, a, you know, based on a desire to get, secure, obtain that property. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's, I guess what before putting in an offer, I ask my clients, you know, 
where are you at with the desirability of this property to you? Mm -hmm. Is it one of those properties that you just need to have? You have to have this house. Yeah, it's your house. This is the house. Mm -hmm. I don't want to miss this one. Right. Or is this one, you know, it'd be nice to have, but I don't need it. Okay, you know, so that's where we need to go with that. And what I say to them is we can offer accordingly. Yep. If it's not the house, we can, you know, but you still would be okay and happy having it, we'll offer a certain price. If it's the house, you can't go in with a low ball offer. No. You have to go in serious. Mm -hmm. You have to go in with, you know, all of your ducks in a row. Right. And you have to go in like this is we are serious about this we want this house yeah it's way beyond the numbers you you guys hear us talk about this all the time with real estate there's the number side and then there's you know the science side and then there's the art side the emotional side and a lot about crafting your offer is about that emotional side understanding the motivation of the seller so as you've heard me say a million times buyers need to think like sellers sellers need to think like buyers we're arriving at the table, negotiating, having a conversation, working through agents and your team of people to make a deal. And so when you're a few days on the market, a property shows up, you've looked at 10 houses, you finally find one that you love, and it's only been on the market a few days. And perhaps it's got this thing called delayed negotiations, or in other words, offers aren't due until this particular day. The seller's not going to entertain or look at offers until maybe five days um, on the market or you know, up to a week or two. And then you might have multiple offers submit at the same time. Um, you're, that's not the situation where you're going to say, okay, list price is $179.9, let's go in at a hard $165. No, <laughs> not in this market anyway. Right, absolutely. You know, and that, that goes to the next section of what, what are we going to do to craft a good offer, a competitive offer on the perfect home for someone. Yeah. Well, you know, and there's a lot of things there. We're going to go through them, you know, from, from top to bottom. At least that's how I address it really is, mm -hmm. you know, we have a specific form that we use, a contract. It lays it all out, you yeah. know, and that's we're required to use that. We're required to use state forms as realtors, as salespeople, um, and it keeps everything the same. So right. that we all know and can know what to expect in a contract. Um, somebody isn't writing something custom into a, a contract and burying it in there so that you know we sign it and say, well, you signed it, it's a legally binding contract. Right. You gotta perform. Right, and, and there's obligations on both sides of the transaction once you go under contract, but in the crafting of that contract, um, as Josh mentioned, in our area, in the Glow region, we're you know, equidistant between the Buffalo Board of Realtors and the Rochester area. And so there are two contracts that we see a lot in this area. There actually is a Genesee County uh, real estate contract. You see them once in a while, but mostly you're gonna see those attorney vetted uh, contracts and I think a lot of people are always surprised when I tell them if offers are due in the next 72 hours I'm gonna get that offer to you within the next 24 hours because I want you to read it and read it thoroughly right. and make sure I answer all of your questions because sometimes these things are 26 pages long your offer it's not something you wrote on the back of a napkin <laughs> it's no. not a one-pager these things are legal documents there's a lot of things in there and one thing I try to do with my buyers up front sooner than later because you never really know when you're gonna go under contract is to get you a paper copy 
of a typical contract under your nose so that you can take it, highlight it, write your notes on it, look at what it looks like now because all of a sudden we might be in crunch mode and we have to get an offer in ASAP and I will not do this to buyers. Hey, I'm just going to fling this to you, to your email. It's all electronic signatures. Trust me on this one. Sign it. We're going to submit your offer. I want you to know what you're signing. I want you to understand the language, and I want you to have all of your comfort and confidence built by the time we get to writing that offer. And we read over these contracts that we're writing probably no less than four or five times before, before we submit. And But understand, too, and I, I also urge people to read the contracts and read the offers because I will admit I am human, and I make mistakes. Good point, I Josh. Good point. I'm not the best typist all the time. Oh, you meant a $5,000 deposit and I accidentally wrote... 25000 yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're using you know, a silly example, but and yeah. It's, you know, and it's happened to me and you handle it and you say, hey, Absolutely. hey I, don't, I don't know if that, I don't think that's right. And it's also, so I've been on the receiving end and I've also been on the yeah. dealing end of that. It's, you know, and I had to ask a question the other day. You know, they waived, the, they waived a home inspection, but they left a radon test blank and at, in the contract, right. it says we're performing a radon test. It means they're performing a radon test if it's blank. And so if I sign that right. without clarification or, right. you know, some changing, uh, technically, whether they are or not, right. they have the ability to an opportunity to do a radon test. Yeah. And so I say, hey, I just have a question. You sent this offer to me. Am I I see this that you waived your home inspection. I think I understand what you meant. But you left this section blank. Are you electing to do a radon test or not? Mm-hmm. And they then did confirm, no, no, we're not doing a radon test. Great, There's but no- it could have been yes as much as it was no, and then that's a completely different process. And then you've got to follow up with that on the list side, um, and you got to you know connect with and advise your clients. So these details, the devils in the details. It's important. It's important to understand. It's important to gain clarity. It's yep. important to ask the questions. If you don't know, do not assume on these Ever. contracts, on these offers. Ever. And if you're, if there's a vague, uh, you know, thing here, ask the question. Yep. Because you might be punished for yeah. lack of better terms. Yeah. You might be punished for not asking the question. Yeah. When asking the question was. Totally. It's free. <laughs> Completely valid and yeah. better better be safe than sorry every single time. Maybe, Josh, we should talk about, um, we keep using the word contingencies because we live in this world and we live and breathe this and know what contingencies are. But maybe there's some folks out there that don't know what we're talking about when we're talking about what's a contingency on a purchase offer. I guess the, mo- the plainest way I can explain contingencies are strings. There's strings attached to this offer, it's right? A good way contingent. Of I am contingent. Uh, based on the sale of my home, I am contingent upon finding proper financing at these terms, mm-hmm. right? We outline those terms too. I am contingent on, did I say the sale of my home? Yep, sale of my home. I, yeah. Sometimes sellers are contingent. The, sell, the, the sale of their home is contingent upon them finding suitable housing. And so buyers have to pay attention to that in the listing. Your agent's going to point that out to you because there's an opportunity there. Because, you know, and that can be leverage. It can also be, you know, an opportunity or, you know, it's something to say, okay, well, if you need time, Mr. Seller, I'm not in a rush. Let's push this closing date back to your choice. 
but I'm going to want something for that. I'll offer you this price for in order right. to achieve that. Right. Okay, maybe. So those are contingencies. The contingencies state, based on this set of conditions, have to be met for this contract to go through. That's right. And there's always almost a contingency, even if, because you'll see a lot of times, well, but there's an offer here with no contingencies. Well, if it's a financed offer, that's always built in. It's, it's always going to be contingent upon acquiring financing. And, but once you're through that mortgage commitment piece in the first 30 days, go back to our buyer basics when we talk about that, that yeah. whole time frame. And then you're kind of in the clear and that contingency is assumed and removed. There can be contingency on home inspection. And that has changed a lot in the last year, Josh. You know, yeah. what, what we were seeing, no home inspection requests because people were trying to get that offer and they felt comfortable proceeding with the purchase of the home without a formal home inspection, removing that contingency in hopes that their offer would be accepted. And I guess that depends on what sphere you operate in, again, within the real estate. You know, if you're operating within the homeowner, residential sector, home, you know, home inspections are a thing. They're... They've remained for a little while. You know, they're coming back is what I mean to say. Yeah. But if you're operating in the investor world, yeah. people are still very much waiving these home inspections. They really are. I see it, you know, all the time. Yeah. And that depends greatly upon the experience of the investor and how comfortable you are looking at a home, yeah. predicting its issues and problems, yeah. being comfortable with the issues and problems, and then saying, we're good. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with this. And, you know, you're... An agent's a good agent when they never, ever tell you, you should waive the home inspection on this house. No, that is your personal choice. If that's what you wish to do, here, sign here, here's my home inspection waiver because I did not advise you to do that, but if you are comfortable and this is how you think a card that you're going to play in your terms and conditions of your um, home for a contingency on your offer, have at it. Great. More power to you. Maybe you are a contractor. Someone in the family is. You can take that on. But um, you should never have an agent say, you should really waive the home inspection on this one. Yeah, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but if, if an agent does advise you to do that, I would almost look at running away. Yeah. Because that's not... That's not always in your best interest. Most of the time it's not. And it's just... It's ill-advised, especially if you're inexperienced and you don't know what you're looking at. And so that could really get you into a pickle. And at the cost of closing, at the advantage of closing just one sale, it could really put a, a sour taste in someone's mouth when they have to replace their furnace at $8,000. Absolutely. 30 days after they move in because Absolutely. you elected to listen to your counsel mm -hmm. or you know your advisor, mm -hmm. who is your agent. Mm -hmm and waived your home inspection. Yeah, so. it's really a personal choice. Now, again, in this stellar uh, seller's market on steroids that we had previously, when there were multiple offers and folks were trying to use whatever terms and conditions of the offer to work in their benefit without really increasing sales price if they could. They probably did that too. They went at list and over with escalation clauses and all sorts of stuff, and we'll get into that. But. Um, you know, the home inspection was something that people were waving because they felt that it made their offer stronger. Sure. And it's, and it's so buyers were like, well, you know, why does the seller want to do that? Um, why are they more apt to accept, maybe my offer is very comparable to the offer A and offer B are the same, same price, same closing timeline, all that. But my, I requested a home inspection and offer B did not. Why are, 
why is that better for the seller? It's not that the seller's hiding anything. It's the path to least resistance to make sure that the transaction closes. So you're adding about a week to the transaction. Um, something could come up in a, a home inspection, and typically in a more balanced market, if there were findings and repairs requests, that would typically be the responsible responsibility of a seller. Yeah. So if the seller has the same quality of offer, waiving that, and the risk inherent to the seller, that's why they were more apt in that you know, in any market that they're going to accept that. That's what buyers need to understand. Right. And I guess to round out contingencies and what makes a good offer is having as few contingencies as is reasonably possible without, um, you know, compromising your integrity, I guess. I agree. Yeah, that's a good way of saying it. And, it, and it's about, um, it's, it's, again, knowing the motivation of the seller understanding what their needs and wants are and not that you're going to acquiesce to all that it's just understanding that psychology so that you can respond to that and if you find yourself that you're hemming and hawing that you're way below list price that you're saying yeah it's a lot of yeah buts i'll buy it but it's this 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 then you know what it's probably not your house right you always want to bring your highest and best offer to a house you might suffer some heartbreak you might lose a couple because there's multiple offers. Somebody has better terms and conditions, a higher sales price, et cetera, better financing. Maybe they're cash. Cash is king. You know, there's things like that. But um, if you're hemming and hawing and you're loading up an offer with all sorts of contingencies and this is a brand new listing, you need to think about it. If this is a listing that's been on the market for several days, maybe we're going into 60-day mark, You might have, maybe there's been a recent price reduction based on feedback of the showings that have not resulted in a sale then maybe you do have the opportunity to negotiate a bit and you work with your agent and you can build some contingencies in. So you mentioned something about financing type. That's another uh, another area of the offer uh, because there are different types of financing or you know not to use financing at all, to use cash. Yep. And so within the financing realm, we also have you know, the loan type that we were talking about, or in the buyer basics, we were talking about the product, right? Yep. The product that you're using. Are you going FHA? Are you going USDA? Are you going VA, uh, conventional? What are, what are you going to use? What are the requirements of that? What does that require from you? Mm-hmm. And what does that require of the home, the subject property that you're looking to purchase? Mm-hmm. All of those things factor into deal strength or offer strength yes. uh, when a seller looks at that, right? Yeah, for sure. And it's those financing types, you got to look at them with two different sets of eyes as well. The buyer's perspective, you if you're the buyer, and the seller's perspective, again, here I go again with that, but it's, you know, cash is king and why? Because there's going to be less contingencies on a cash offer, okay? The bank's not involved. House isn't going to have to go through a bank appraisal uh, to ensure the amount of money the bank is willing to loan the buyer. So that's removed. It's probably also a week off the transaction. So cash is king. That yep. persists. Um, you know, mostly, you know, a lot of times you'll find a cash offer where the um, might they might even get a little less. You know, they might offer a little bit less than a cash offer, less than listing because it has that much power with it. Not all the time, but sometimes you do. Yeah, and you know, sometimes cash doesn't do it, you know, because, yep. you know, if you're offering cash, maybe you are offering a bit lower 
Maybe. to entice. Maybe. Possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, but d- along with different, the different financing types, I don't know, different requirements within that from, from the home is what I mentioned before. Yep. And for example, with an FHA, there's going to ha- be more stringent property requirements in, enable, or in order to secure that FHA mortgage. Yep. You know, there's no, one of the big ones is peeling paint. Yeah. It's, it's a low hanging fruit <laughs> yeah. in the FHA world. And if you don't have vinyl siding on a house and you go show a house that's painted, you're just immediately, I am anyways, yes. immediately looking at the paint. The and it's windows. typically around the windows. Yes, yes exactly. The windows. You're looking at the windows because there's small little pieces of wood. It goes through. We're in the Northeast. It's hot. It's cold. It's expanding and contracting. Yep. It's easy to peel there. Yes. And so peeling paint is usually one of those things where you need to take care of prior to closing. Yes. And what does that mean if it has to be taken care of prior to closing? In the middle of the winter. I mean, that means that either <laughs> the seller, is either the seller has to do that. Or the buyer has to put money into a property that they don't already own yet. Yeah. And so that may be difficult. Exactly. So if you're an FHA buyer, Federal, um, federal Housing Authority, a federally backed loan product, great for you because it's 3.5% down. You can use seller concessions. We'll kind of break into that maybe another time if yeah. not this episode. But um, you've got it's a great product for the, for the buyer for sure, but the seller has to meet some standards, the property does rather. And so that's why someone might, depending on the market, you know, honor, favor a conventional loan that doesn't, it does have an appraisal process, don't get me wrong. If the roof is shot, (laughs) the roof is shot. It's not just going to be an FHA finding for USDA, FHA, or, or VA loans. Conventional loan goes through its own appraisal process too, but it's not known to be as stringent yeah. as that is the federally backed programs. Handrails are usually a thing too, um, steps. Um, have to be up to code in terms of length of tread and all of that stuff. And it, it's safety concerns that right. the federally backed programs really buy into. And so, you know, you really like a house, but it's got to meet that standard. And so if you're up against another offer, maybe a cash or conventional offer, even if your price is higher, the seller may want to, if they have another offer that's more competitive yours, they might go with that other loan financing options simply because it's going to be, again, the path of least resistance for them to sell the home. Yeah, these things when you're trying to get through a home sale are just somewhat, it's annoyances mm-hmm. to a seller. And to, to have to deal with that in the process of also having to deal with moving and possibly also having to deal with finding another, finding their own home as well. Yeah. They're trying to make their own deal. Right. So it's like the dominoes, <laughs> right? And yeah. so if I'm being held up by this... I, I don't want to deal with that. I right. don't want to deal, and it's, again, this is going to sound bad. Don't take it personal as a buyer. I don't want to deal with you. Mm-hmm. I don't want to deal with you because... If they have a choice. If you have a choice, exactly. And put yourself in their shoes, too. So it's it's that. There's there's products that sound wonderful. So USDA is, is um, 0% down, zero financing option. So, you know, a lot of folks, if they qualify that, will be like, well, why wouldn't everybody do this? If you can find the property and in the, if it's a more balanced market where buyers are more empowered and we actually start to turn the corner, if we ever did again, if and I'm sure we will at some point, sure. into a buyer's market again, um, yeah, why wouldn't you take advantage of that? Um, and you have to find the property that's going to meet those standards. And if the inventory is there to support it, great. We might see the prevalence of those things again. We've started to see some more federally backed um, program loans 
um, offers come through now, like VA, some FHA. Um, there's big benefits to all these for the buyers, but again, when we're in, still in kind of the tail end of a, of a seller's market, we just have to be cognizant of yeah. what's going to get you the house if you really want the house. And some buyers actually qualify. They could go either way. I could be conventional, but if I think I can go FHA on this one, I will. I, I think it'd be great when we get to the point again where buyers are, buyers are more empowered and can do that. And we've done that too on our last on, on this last deal that we did. We offered cash, and then until up until a certain point, when we found out that that just wasn't meeting the seller's needs, mm -hmm. we said, "Well, we'll offer this much, but we're going to finance it." Yeah. And they, you know, it was well, cash is better. We know cash is better, but but this is how my buyers now I'm able gonna, to achieve this. If I'm going to put out this much expenditure, yep. then I'm going to need to keep more cash in my pocket. Yep. And so you're going to get a financed offer. Yeah. Does that work? Can we make that work? Yeah. And you did. And it was good, and it's and good. that was creative. And it's yeah, and it wasn't the first choice because it's always easier and quicker and cleaner to cl to close with cash. But in order to make it work for everyone, we you know you need to sell the property. I want to buy a property. Yes, you made a deal. Yeah, you listened to each other. The agents worked together. You negotiated. You got creative. You went back and forth. That's the other thing, folks. You have to understand those offers go in. You know, some of them have an expiration or a lifetime on them. Yep. Sometimes the sellers are presenting multiple offers. They're going to get back to you within 24 hours. It, we know how nerve-wracking it is for buyers. They want to know, right away, is my offer accepted? And sometimes we just don't have the information. And they, you know, the other agent that you're working with, hopefully they're showing you the kindness and professionalism that we do on the other side. They're not, and they don't have to tell you. If your offer is not accepted, why? They right. can say seller has accepted an offer that terms and conditions are more suitable for their needs. There you go. That's all you need to know. We can read between the lines and your agent can kind of press a little bit more to get that feedback. But just assume that when we submit that offer, we're not going to know in 30 seconds or less if the offer is accepted. No. There's a lot of going back and forth. So like everything, we try to keep to a linear process and tell you guys about step one, step two, but then there's all these trails and branches that go off from that. That's just reality. The circles, they go around at the same time <laughs> yes. within a linear process. Yes. So yeah, I'm kind of making circles on a vertical <laughs> it's line. It's a hurricane, yeah, yeah, pretty much. And and so they're all <laughs> spinning at the same time. It's like, imagine all these plates you know, yes. spinning on sticks and we're yes. like, okay, here we are. Yeah. And so that's what you're doing when you're, you know, you submit an offer and you're negotiating. Then you're picking apart each part of the offer, yep. and then you you might even be negotiating, you know, three or four different sections of that. Absolutely, yeah. and you might be going back and forth. That that listing agent um, who has listed the property that you've put an offer in on, they're managing several offers, and maybe up until 25 hours later, they're still going back and forth between two because they're close in price or terms. They're going to counter this. They're going to counter that. Expect that. If you use other tools at your disposal in your offer, let's say, for example, let's get back to price, everybody's favorite topic. I want to offer 160 on a list price of 170 I want to go in at that that price but I don't want to lose it for a thousand dollars if we know this is gonna be a popular property and we expect because of the feedback from the listing agent that they are expecting or maybe already have in hand right at least one if not multiple offers we we need to then think about what else is in our toolbox to win this offer if this indeed is your house so we can use something like an escalation clause what's that Josh yeah escalation clause I think we explained it uh, last time was I will beat the leading offer by 
a certain dollar amount up until a maximum dollar amount. I think that's the best way I can explain Absolutely, it. up to yeah. a limit of yes. X. Yep. So I'm going in, the list price is 170. Uh, there's some competitive nature of the listing, but I don't really wanna come in at 170. So maybe I go in at 160 or 165, and I have an escalation included in my offer that my agent's gonna prepare for me with increments up to 1,000 if I am not the highest bid at that point. I'll meet and exceed the highest uh, monetary offer up to a threshold by $1,000 increments up to 170, for example. Right. Because then you're like, all right, I'd like to get it for 160, I'd like to get it for 165, but if I get beat out by $1,000, I'm going to be really annoyed. Yeah, because even or even five thousand. Because at the end of the day, you know, I mean, Gavin, what's five thousand dollars financed over thirty years? What does that do to your mortgage payment? Well, that's you not having a pizza. It's twenty bucks <laughs> a month, right? Right, and you you're know. and people are shocked by that at times. You know, five thousand dollars as a sum is a lot of money. We understand that, but like Josh said, financed over time. Can you do without eating pizza out once a week? while you live here so that you have the pleasure of living in this house to be able to do that, sure. you might want to do that. Right, absolutely. Yeah. You know, another type of, of, you know, another thing that goes into making a good offer is the closing the closing length. It's huge. Proposed closing date. Mm -hmm. When when do you think or when do you want to close on this property? And, you know, obviously sellers like to have a short closing. Yeah. Um, typically. Say typically. Typically, there are circumstances where they don't, and we'll get into that. So, pick a pick a closing length or closing date that is reasonable. Yes. That we think we can hit, and that serves the purpose from the information we've gathered. That's my that's my thing on that, right? Big, big time. So you know, typically from contract, if your offer is accepted to close, we're looking sixty days. It's kind of traditional. Like we said in um, buyer basics, first 30 days is kind of buyer stuff. Last 30 days is kind of seller stuff, getting that you know abstract and the um, survey and all that stuff. And so you're kind of looking at that. Um, you have to be cognizant of when your rate lock expires if you're seeking financing. So yeah. you know you, you might have a seller that says, "Listen, I really need an extended closing. Uh, I need 90 days." And the buyer might be all for that, but you better check with their lender first to make sure that they're not going to have their rate lock days before closing should something go awry. Because we love to have a smooth transaction. Your agent's going to work on your behalf to do that. But once in a while, things are out of control with those 12 people we work with and yeah. the life of your offer once accepted that, that delays a closing. And so the worst thing that could happen in that regard is that you lose your rate lock. It expires. Yeah, and it could expire, but I mean, there is a solution for that as well, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but it does, it's going to cost you some money. Yeah. It's it's a it's a rate what a rate extension. Right. And so, you know, it's typically what it is. Most so most lenders are going to say, "Yeah, we can do that. We can keep you there, but you're going to pay to do it." Yeah. And you don't want to do that. That might be per day. And so, maybe we're a day or two from closing. It's an oopsie, but we're going to do this and maybe that's worth it to you and it works. But Again, when we're sitting down crafting that offer, a lot of buyers are like, I just care about the price. No, we've got to talk about all these other details. Right, right, because it's going to come up, and if you don't face it now, it's going to hit you later, and then you're going to be disappointed because we didn't, as agents, manage your expectations. Or and, the transaction appropriately. And the transaction appropriately, exactly. And we don't want you in the middle or three-quarters of the way through the transaction just get tired yeah. and then the whole mood be sullied because... 
you know, again, we're not doing our job. That's right. We it, have to work on your behalf. We got to do our due diligence, but we have to be practical and realistic with the expectations of what's possible. A lot of times, buyers too, like, I'll close in 30 days. Can you? Um, <laughs> we would love that. That would right. be great because I know you're really excited to get in your new home and maybe you're staying at home or you don't have to give notice where you're renting and that's a thing in beauty. That's something to consider too, guys. Do you have to give notice somewhere? Because that's going to back into your offer ultimately too. But let's say you're ready, willing, and able to close in 30 days. That's wonderful. Can your lender do that? And that's who you're going to want to talk to about that is your lender. is saying, hey, we're, we're looking at this. Do we think we can make that happen? How you know, typically what's your underwriting department? Mm-hmm. You're relying they, on those they, other secret people behind the curtain. How do they perform? <laughs> you know, are they, are they typically, do they scrutinize the property more? Do they, are they pretty, pretty lax? Like what's the feeling that you're at your place? And that's the conversation. That's one of many conversations that your agent's going to be having with the lender, with your loan originator um, to say, Hey, we're going to put an offer on this house. And one of the ways we think we can win the offer is a quick close. Can you guarantee that that's going to happen? Yeah. That you've got to have that conversation before you write the offer and submit it. Because if you've said this is what you're going to do, and then the lender's like, oh, heck no, I can't do that. That's not happening. Then we're not, uh, we're not meeting our expectations contractually. So. Yeah, if you haven't sensed the theme here, you know, what, what's involved in crafting good offers, offers is, you know, do your homework. A, a streamlined offer with not so many thorns. You know, there's no more. There's not a lot of sticking points. There's, it's just pretty smooth. It's straightforward. Um, we're just, you know, and that's illustrated in the contract, saying, "Hey, we're just trying. We're going to get to the finish line." Right. It's very simple. The sim, the more simplistic that your contract is, I would say, in general, the more likely it is that you'll win the offer. But again, we're moving on to the next point is, and we've said it before, is the ability to meet the seller's needs. Yes. You know, that's going to go a long, 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 long way in a good offer is your ability to be a little bit flexible to meet these seller's needs. Mm -hmm. If they have a special special point of interest, Mm -hmm. if you can do that, it's in your best interest yeah. to make that accommodation mm-hmm. within reason. Right. And what are those, what are they looking for? What do you mean by meeting the seller's needs? Well, if they've asked 170 for the house, you know that that's what they're asking. And if they've asked that, um, I'm going to need to find suitable housing, so I'm going to need an extra 30 days to close, maybe 90 days to close to do so. Um, and I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm bringing my grandmother's piano with me and no, you can't buy it as part of the house. If they've spelt that all out to you and that's your house and you really want to win it and all that, you don't go in and say, okay, I'm going in at 150 and I want grandma's um, piano included in that and I want to close tomorrow. You, okay, and a lot of buyers will say, well, let's just try it. Okay, let's just try it, but again, remember where you are in the listing. Are you in the first week? Number one. Number two, sellers remember. So let's just say, for instance, you put in uh, an offer that maybe the terms and conditions, price included, weren't great, agreeable to the seller that time, but maybe time has gone on. Maybe it's a week or two later and you're like, let's go back at them. They're gonna remember that in the first week, you maybe submitted something that was, 
What's the word I'm looking for? Offensive to them. Maybe, yeah. And so they remember that. And I'm telling you, there's instances, and you don't want to believe me, buyers, but it happens all the time. Like, is that the guy that da-da-da-da-da? No, he can't buy my house now. And you know what? The seller has every opportunity to say, I just don't want to work with that person. They made it clear um, from the beginning that they weren't going to negotiate. They weren't valuing what I put out there, which wasn't asking a lot. And so, no, I'm not coming back to the table with that person. I'll probably go sell with somebody else, maybe with something, but because this guy was a jerky from the beginning, I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not wrong. You're absolutely I mean, not wrong. People we, don't. Is this podcast called Get Real or What? Because that's don't, what it is. People don't forget, you know, and here comes everybody's favorite point is price. You know, another yeah. thing that makes a good offer is price. And no, not offering, you know, offering the list price or over list price isn't always it, but you should be within a reasonable expectation. I would say if we're in the mindset of really wanting the house, this is the house, but we're still looking for a, a good deal, a competitive deal, you know, I would say 10% less list maybe you know, is the we're max is the we're maximum, right? Yeah. It, it, yeah. And it depends. And we're all reading, we're reading these things, and right? And we're doing comparables. But if you, know? you say 10% less list, 10% less list, we're going to do a standard home inspection. We're not electing to do radon. We're, you know, standard close in 45 to 60 days, you know, conventional financing or cash, you know. Now we're talking. Yes, we're getting to the point of negotiation. A good a good offer. Yeah. Just a good strong offer. We're getting there, you know. So don't think you just have to automatically right. throw in all the cards, offer, t you know, yeah, $20,000 more than list price and that's going to be, you know, the enticing point. It's, you know, you can have all of these things play together to make your strong offer. And so. that's what we mean by terms and conditions along yeah. the sales price. And again, it's always going to depend on the property. It's going to depend on the popularity of it. Um, so, you know, what offer might work for a particular property might not be the best offer for another. So what might be considered a strong offer over here isn't necessarily over there. And other things that you can play with without messing around with sales price and things like that is your amount down and also your earnest money deposit. And people yep. get confused about those things all the time, Josh. And that's really the next, that's the next point, you know, and there's really, I don't have a lot to say more on price. Price is price. Price it's really, is price, guys. It's pretty cut and dry. Mm -hmm. You offer what you offer, you have a budget and a set maximum, and then from there, we're moving on to terms and conditions. And they might counter you. Do, you, might, do you understand that you might, you on that house that's 170, you went at 160, and they come back and say, we love all of your terms and conditions. We love that you're going to do a quick close, no home inspection, all that good stuff. We love that you're a conventional buyer. However, um, we have another offer over here that they are offering higher than yours, but we like your terms and conditions more. We're countering you in sales price up to 165. Your agent then comes back to you and says, yes or no. You don't have to say yes. Right. But if you're like, heck yeah, I was kind of expecting that. And that's why I went in at what I did and I didn't do an escalation clause. You're still in the running. Um, you're still at the table. You're still negotiating. And so you said the next thing was earnest money deposit, right? Yes. And down payment. Yes. And Those are get, two different yeah. things. Two different things. Two different things. So I would say that your down payment is going to be more in line with your lender's concern. Mm -hmm. That's going to be taken care of with your lender. Mm -hmm. And that's a totally different thing. It your is, earnest, but your seller might pay attention to that. And we'll talk about that in a minute. They do. And I think it's going to tie in with what I'm going to say next. Earnest money deposit is what you're putting up out of your pocket. Yep. 
And that shows that you have skin in the game. Right. It's how securing serious, the contract. How serious you are about that. And, you know, in certain areas, it ranges, right? In different areas, different states, you can be as low as $100 and as mo- more than, you know, 5000 mm-hmm. right? Sure. Usually 1% to 2% of the sale price. Yeah. Um, and in a more competitive market, you would see people go to the higher range of that or even go to like a, a, an obnoxious deposit. In some cases, sometimes it looked more like a down payment. It was maybe 50% of the sale price in a deposit because A, they're demonstrating they really, really want this property and they have the means, number one. Number two, the, the buyer has more to lose the more money you put down. So if they don't meet all of their contact, contractual obligations per the contract, and they're going to lose $50,000 versus 1000 the seller pays attention to that. Like, oh, this person clearly wants this property. And if they don't deliver according to what their purchase offer says, I get to keep that $50,000. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. And I so, know. And but if it, you that's what it demonstrates. And, and if you haven't understood or don't understand what earnest money deposit is, it's basically the money that you're willing to lose if something goes wrong or if you fail to perform the contract for something other than just cause? Yes. Like with cause. Right. You, know, you don't get cold feet in the 11th hour. It's the day before closing. You've decided the final walkthrough. After you've gone through everything with all the steps to close, you've decided, I don't want this house anymore. Mm, you're probably going to lose that deposit. You're probably going to lose that deposit. And so that's and that's what that tells you. So that's really, I think, the easiest way maybe for a, a seller to say, they are serious. Yeah, and I think the other thing that's important for buyers to remember too, and this is where they get confused with down payment, and we're talking a little about that in a minute with deposit, because di- deposits got to be delivered within one to two business days of the acceptance of your offer. Yep. So you got to have money in the bank ready to, get to write a check that day. And so number one, those funds have to be immediately available. Number two, um, it's not money that's going into thin air. A lot of buyers, I have to kind of slow down and explain that. This is going to end up being a credit to you at closing. So in other words, it's not writing a check just to secure the contract and that's an additional fee. It actually is going to come off of your financing, number one. Um, And it's what we call a credit at closing. So let's say you put a $1,000 posit and a $100,000 home. Now you're financing the other $99,000. Less the other credits. Correct. Different from the down payment. Which is what you and your lender, and ultimately your agent, you're going to discuss that because how much savings or how much money do you have earmarked to go towards um, the purchase of a home? And the higher that down payment, there's implications for your loan, like private mortgage insurance. If you put 20% or higher down, higher than 20% on your uh, loan, then you eradicate an extra fee per month of private loan and um, private mortgage insurance. And we're going to get into all that stuff in another episode, but... And so really all those things come down into your cash-to-close figure. Right. Right? So there's going to be seller proceeds, and then there's going to be your cash-to-close number. And that's really the number or amount of money that you're going to be expected to come to the closing table at yes. closing at day... closing, ...with right. certified funds, your cash-to-close figure... And then that's they're going to divvy that up. Right. They, the attorneys will divvy divide that money up to the appropriate accounts. Yes. So remember, it's just so that people get confused, and this is maybe a better way or easier way to remember it. Deposit is at the beginning, okay? Deposit, your offer is accepted. The next thing we're doing is delivering the deposit. Deposit at acceptance. 
down payment, you're going to already have discussed that with your lender. You're going to bring that with you um, at closing. So we've covered, I think, what the the things that make a good offer and to you know close it all up and circle back on the loop it's a an offer that meets the seller's needs to the best of your ability mm -hmm. that has the least amount of contingencies that still protects your interests mm -hmm. and that you know is with the right financing type and closing length and that is in line with both parties that's right and if you find yourself that you are not congruent to that whatsoever we ask yourself and we'll and we'll ask you and we'll work with you to say is this the house you should be put is this your house and you should you be, be putting an offer on it because if right. that doesn't have some congruency it's not to just lay down and get, give the seller whatever they want if it's worth it to you and those terms and conditions and sale price work for you to acquire that property and it is indeed what you want that's one thing if it's not then that might not be your property and why are we putting an offer in right right so you know you've made the offer or you've written the offer basically right and we've got the components of the offer but now we have to present the we have to present the offer mm -hmm. or the offer has to be presented yes i know that you like to present offers right, i Kevin? do you do no one can tell me no <laughs> <laughs> few and far between very few um yeah so a couple of things technically you know if we're crafting an offer we talked josh and i talked about those forms Hopefully you've had an opportunity to see those prior to writing an offer. Certainly when you're writing your offer, uh, we deliver that to you. Um, sometimes we do that in hard copy. Yeah. Sometimes we do that through a system called AuthentiSign or an electronic document signing system. Yeah. Uh, we understand that not everybody loves that. Some people really love wet signature and they really want to be there with you in the room looking at paper, all that. What's nice is that we can go either way with that. So technically, that's how we kind of de deliver and, and create that offer with you. Um, we can present offers a, a variety of ways. Gavin yes. has already said, you know, we collect the signatures for the offer either in wet signature format or in the e-sign format. But then we have to send those offers to the the listing agent, right? Mm -hmm. And so we can do that a, a variety of ways too. Typically nowadays, it's done by email, right? We take a lot the of times. we take the offer from the electronic signature, we package that up, and we put maybe some other you know forms or summaries, kind of like you would in the corporate world, is an executive summary. Yep. Um, Gavin, you're really good at this because you taught me this. And <laughs> well, thank it's, you. It's all about making it easy for the list agent to summarize your offer um, to the seller. Yes. And the Critical. easier the easier you can make it, it speaks volumes to the buyer's agent. Mm -hmm. It speaks buyer volumes from the buyer. It makes everybody on the other side of the transaction look good oh yeah and willing sure. and can we play let's facilitate everything we can let's do everything we can and these are the extras too mm -hmm. these are the extras that really go make someone go oh okay this is this is going to be fun i'm this paying is, attention this is going to be easy yes simpler yeah more enjoyable yes than having to circle back to this buyer's agent asking for do you have this form? Do you have this detail? I need this. I need this. I need yeah. this. You forgot this. And that's always, as a buyer's agent, you hate to do that too. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we do forget. Of course. We're all human. But again, just like we read the offer, we're reading these We're, we're reading these through and through and through probably four to five times Absolutely. before we hit the send button. And so, you know, one, one little tip I'm going to tell buyers, and this is kind of the magic behind the scenes that your agent takes on. 
the relationship your agent has, not just with you, the, the second most important relationship your agent has is with the other agent on the other side of the transaction. And that better be an awesome relationship. And I wanna, I wanna point out here too, because it's important to understand that you know, agent to agent, we're not colluding. Right, I don't want to, there's none of that. No. We're representing our buyers Respected and sellers parties. to the best of our abilities, but just like lawyers do, just like any other professions professionals do, at another transaction, right. we're going to see each other's faces on the other side of the transaction. Yes. It's important to know how each one of us deals in a transaction to know what to expect. Yes. Because, and that also plays into your yeah, tools, your tools. Yeah, and presentation your tool of your offer. Yeah, <clears throat> for yep. sure. Because you're going to pick an agent and you're going to know based on their rep, you should know based on their reputation that they're going to close it. This agent closes yep. transactions. This one's a closer. I know I can work with them. Yep. You know, and that's, and that's good. And again, that's not because we're going to compromise everybody. It's saying that that person's a professional. They're going to be clear and concise with their communication. They're going to communicate. Yeah. They're going to be timely. They're going to be pleasant. They're going to work just as hard as I am as I represent my client to, to close this deal so that both parties are happy. And so that's really, that's key. And it's key that your agent, if you're the buyer and your agent's representing you, that they're paying attention to what the listing agent has made very clear. If they've said, offers must be presented by this time to this email, or offers, don't send them here, send them there. Can you follow instructions? Read. You have to, and so your, your agent's doing that. So if all offers are due Tuesday at five o'clock, they better be there to the email that they um, designated. If there's an opportunity, if your agent, for example, requests to present their offer in person, which is coming back in a, in a you know, pandemic world, um, that's an awesome opportunity, but we can only do that if the seller accepts that opportunity. We can't push our way in there. If the seller will entertain, if the buyer's agent said, may I present my own offer in person? Have at it. That's power too, because it's, it's not email, it's not the coldness of technology. You're in front of a person, but oftentimes these days, like Josh said, guys, you're, you're saying it to an email. So what can I do to make that presentation that I'm actually giving to the listing agent? They're actually kind of presenting your offer at that point. How can I make sure that it's crystal clear of what the offer is, that it's presented well, it's pleasing, and it's gonna be, make their job easy. And that's why Josh said, a cover letter with an executive summary of the offer, um, put the MLS printout in it. This is the property. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is the prequal. Here's the copy of it or the pre-mortgage commitment or proof of funds. Here it is. Um, here is the contract. It's filled out. Here's my buyer's attorney information completed. You don't, I can tell you when I'm on the list side, nothing irks me more than when I get an incomplete contract and I'm going back and forth 10 times. Did you, you said in this part of the contract, you're going to put, um, you know, 20% down over here. It says 25, you know, again, we're human, but the devil's in the details. Right. Yeah. So presenting offers is important and is, you know, it's coming back to where we can present our own offers. We have a little bit as buyer's agents, more control over how our offers presented, but a lot of the times still 
we don't. You know, we have to do our best from what we have in our tool belt to make it easy. Make it foolproof. Simple mm -hmm. to understand our offers and so that, you know, the person on the other side doesn't have to sort through 20 pages of contract That's right. to get out all the details. It's just already summarized on one page. Right. You know, the contract is for the lawyers. Yep. It really is. Truly. The, sum, the the contract and all the you know the forms and signatures, those are for the lawyers. We just want the meat and potatoes. Yep. We, that's what we want. What are you getting at? The sales price, the terms, and the conditions. Put it on the piece of paper. Put it on the offer summary. Your, your fellow you know, agent on the other side is going to love that. Buyers, that's going to work so well for you. One of the best compliments I got recently in a multiple offer situation was that they said by and large the presentation of my offer was the best and i loved getting that feedback because at the time i was in a pack of multiple offers and we weren't um the offer that they accepted but i had such a good feeling because i got that feedback about the presentation something about that rang because don't you know the next day so did that come back to you it came back to me so the next day the, the listing agent came back to me and said gav not going to believe this, but for whatever reason, our number one offer is no longer on the table they've pulled out. We're coming back to you. Your offer wasn't the highest sales price, but we do like your terms and conditions, and we love the way it was presented. We believe um, we can work with you. So is your buyer still interested? Yeah, that's awesome. It was awesome. That, and that's what we want to hear, right? And we do everything we can to you know, stand out. And we and learn it, from this every time. And it's getting harder with the advent of inventions of newer, newer and newer technology to be able to stand out. Yeah. You know, and even, you know, just saying that, right? Make a cover sheet. People yeah. are going to hear it and they're going to start <laughs> to do it. But it's going to improve our profession immensely. Big time. You know, and that's, it's just going to be great. And then it, you're just going to have to be an innovator and find something else. Find the next best thing to innovate, make better for everybody else in your industry. You just gave me a great idea and I'm not going to share it yet. <laughs> next time I present an offer, I'm going to keep that to myself for now. <laughs> perfect, perfect. So let's just say, you know, we made a great offer, but it wasn't, an, it wasn't accepted. You know, what is there to do? I mean, what, I mean, you're looking at all these houses. Can we, what do we do to improve, I guess, our buying position is what, is what I'm asking. How do we put ourselves in a better position for next time? when we offer learn from what you just endured yeah. yes it's incredibly disappointing you've looked at several homes you've probably found the one you maybe fell in love with this house it checked 90 percent of your boxes it was time to put the offer in. you got so excited we really stretched you we put in your best the best offer that you were comfortable presenting period and because everybody's different and we've done that and we've worked incredibly hard to this point and no one likes getting the phone call thank you so much for your time buyer's agent however what? my <laughs> seller has gone with a, another offer that uh, better suits them better terms and conditions etc and again like I mentioned earlier then we try to press them a bit to give you the feedback come back to you mr. And mrs. buyer and say this is the feedback we got the offer they accepted was higher in sales price but they were a conventional loan um, they did have um, at least 20% down and they had a really high deposit so and they did waive the home inspection so if I can come back to you it's not that you shoulda woulda coulda it's that you still will probably say well I'm never gonna be comfortable waiving a home inspection well then you know that 
Right. So we couldn't have changed that. If you know you couldn't be financed conventionally, you know that too. But you might learn from that experience and take pieces from it. Like, you know what? You were right about that deposit. Maybe I could have at least sweetened the pot with that little tool. Or maybe I could have done an escalation clause. Yep. And some of the things I have in my notes are, you know, more towards on the financial side. But it's, you know, can we save more money? Absolutely. A little bit more money. Keep saving. I would always encourage my clients to continue to save money all the way up until the closing table. Absolutely. You know, you want to stow away and sock away as much cash as you can because there's incidentals, there's unexpecteds. Always. I don't ever want to be, you know, make someone, you know, house poor. That's right. You know, when they first move I in. I had no idea this that. This is the greatest day. We just closed on yeah. our house. Eight and grand on a furnace. Gulp. Yep. Oh, man, that's the worst. Or I didn't know that this was going to be reassessed and the taxes were going to be X, Y, Z. You just assume, folks, learn from that. So when you're looking at houses and you're looking at the disparity between, for example, the assessment and the, and the list price and what you paid for it, welcome to New York State. The taxes are going to go up. So you need yep. to think about that. Your loan at the time of the offer is going to be based on the true taxes based on the current assessment. It's gonna get reassessed, guys. After you buy that property, it might not get reassessed right away, and it might not get reassessed all the way up to your sales price, but it's gonna get close. 12 to 24 months is typical. You got it. It takes 12 to 24 months for you to, to have a reassessment. And your reassessment is going to determine your taxes, but that's only the first step of that leg there. The second leg is going to be your mortgage analysis. Your mortgage analysis is actually where it's going to hit you Mm -hmm. because what's going to happen if you say your assessment was $70,000, you bought the property for $160 or $170, essentially your taxes are going to probably more than double. And if we have not accounted for that in your escrow, we're going to wipe out our escrow and the cushion that they required you to have. And then what's gonna happen is it's gonna go up probably four or five hundred dollars. Yeah. But it's not your mortgage, it's your escrow. Yes. And so people get what really people get really upset with that. And it's just it's not your mortgage, it's your escrow. But if you're prepared to know that and understand how taxes and reassessments work, you'll be prepared for that and you'll know that that's coming. And you'll be able to say, wait, I don't know if that escrow amount is correct right. because this is probably going to happen. Did we did we assess these taxes right? Because at the current millage or rates right. or, you know, this, this is what that would be. Right. And so do we have that handled properly so I don't have an unexpected surprise down the road? So along with saving money, you can increase your down payment. Again, yep. save, this, save, is, save. this is a money thing. Save, save, you save. Know, but also by increasing your down payment, you could also change possibly what loan program you're going to be involved in, Bingo. which is thus improving your competitive offer, right. say from an FHA to a conventional mm-hmm. or you know something to that nature. That's the goal of the game. The name of the game is trying to improve and be in the best position you can financially and, you know, marketability as well when you're trying, you know, trying to market your offer That's right. to the other agent, right? Yep. Every single time. So, other things you're thinking about too, I mentioned already is, okay, do I play around with that deposit? It comes back to me already. Um, you always want to pay down your debt. Just don't. Okay, you're really bummed out cuz you missed out on that offer and the uh, offer wasn't accepted, it might come back sooner than later. That certainly was the case with one of my clients recently. Don't, in those 24 hours, go out and open up a new credit card. <laughs> Don't do anything like that. Don't then go um, you know, nurse your sorrow 
through retail therapy. Please do not do that. And, you know, and please don't change lenders right in the middle of everything. And, and please um, stay the course. Yeah, you, you get 24 hours to mope around for a little bit. You, we'll wipe your tears and then we're going to get back at it. And we're going to come back better and better and bigger because we're just going to get, it's a practice. We're going to get better every time. It's going to seem like a more seamless um, process. You're going to know what's coming. You're going to know what to expect. Every transaction is different and every property is different to present what that offer might yield. However, you get better as this it goes on. Now, I hope we're not writing 12 offers and losing out on all of them. I don't do that. Yeah, we're doing something wrong. <laughs> if that's, you know, yeah. and we're not, so that's the definition of insanity in my, yeah. in, in my book is because we're doing, you're probably doing the same thing. You're not learning from your previous, you know, I won't call it a failure, rejection. Right. Your previous rejection, and you're not changing anything. So if you're not changing anything and you're still operating within the same market and all conditions are generally the same and you haven't had any huge changes, then it's pro that's probably not the best way. You're not there to, to play then. To, you're not serious. To win a house. Yeah, right. house And maybe you're are. not. Maybe sometimes, you know, you go through that process and, you know, and a lot of times you'll have buyers say, if it had worked out, I'm really thrilled. But you know what? I think I'm going to take a pause. There is such a thing as buyer burnout, especially when we have low inventory. You go through this a few times and maybe you've lost out on a couple. And you might take that pause and say, like, you know what? I get this now. And I understand the strategy. And I am going to save more. And I am going to clean up that debt. And you know what? Maybe I should be looking in a different area. I keep trying to go into this area. And I know damn well there's village taxes there. And I know they're going to be higher when I close on that house. Yeah. And maybe that's not going to work for me. So why do I keep looking in this area? Am I open to any other area? Um, you're going to think about reacting orchard, to the market. Orchard, orchard Park taste with sure. Batavia budgets. Right. You know, you know and you got to get real, guys. It's not a knock on, on Batavia. I live here. Hey. Absolutely. You know, I love it. But Orchard Park is high dollar, right? Sure. <laughs> you know, that's... And so, and we also have to think about what, you know, in our area, and, that, and of course we have a lot of clients that we are going out with and selling and listing homes in Erie and Monroe counties, but, you know, we have an aging inventory of houses here too. We don't have all those new builds or newer builds. And so yeah. if that's your expectation at a certain price point, we got to go find the market where that's going to work for you. It might not be here. If you're going to be here and you're dead set on being here, then you're going to have to adjust your expectations of what type of house you're going to acquire. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, you know, hopefully we've done our job and we've addressed that way early on in the transaction, um, you know, in the experience. And so we've, we've taken care of any of that. But so... How to improve your buying position? I, yeah, pay down debt. You know, that's all about improving um, what program you're in, what loan you're using. But then, you know, negotiations. We've talked about it all throughout. It's been, you know, kind of littered and sprinkled throughout. It's is, the fun part. Is negotiations, yeah. And it's not an all-in-one. It's not an all-in-one thing. You're doing it in stages, right? And I think we talked about it in Buyer Basics Part Two was, yeah. you know, negotiation part one, negotiation part two, <laughs> negotiation part three. B three Z. And I think there was a four too. You know, and it's each <laughs> stage of the contract that mm -hmm. you, when you go to execution after you've accepted an offer, there's still a few more areas of negotiation. You know, if you perform a home inspection and there are findings deciding what you're going to request, how much you're going to request for, you know, say a credit for that, or if they're going to repair that, then a repair. Right. Um, you know, what What else? I, I'm missing, all of a sudden it's leaving me, but. Well, you know, <laughs> with negotiations too, it's um, like, be, be ready for surprises, you know? Yeah. So, you know, like I mentioned that, that transaction recently where we got disappointing news initially and then they came back to us. And so, 
you know, that's not the time when you're going to actually change your offer. <laughs> They're still considering you the offer based on what you submitted. Don't think that that 12-hour window where their top person went away gives you the leverage to then say, now I'm only offering this. Now I want to use seller concessions. Now I want to change my lender. Now I want to do all that. Is it possible that we can still make it work? Yes. Maybe. But d Maybe. But is that ideal? No, because what changed in 12 hours? So you've got to get behind your offer and you've got to stick with it. And that's part of negotiations, you know. So somebody's coming at you, they're only paying attention to you, and they're coming back with a counter offer because of what you submitted. Not now I'm going to change the whole game. Right. It doesn't work that way. Not that they don't have anything. So, they, oh, you have nothing. So now I have all the cards. That's not what it is. Typically, that's not what it is. It's no. not we've lost it all. Uh, we're coming for you as a last resort. Oh, they must not have anything else. Uh, guess not what? necessarily. And sometimes we do can feed through that too. Days on the market. So how long has this property been on the market? How many was there? Was it under contract? What happened? Why are you coming back to us now? Why is it back on the market? Sometimes you know a lot of people want to jump up and go, oh, there's something wrong with the house. There could so be. <laughs> Don't get me going. It could also be that that buyer's financing didn't work. Been there, done that. And you can do whatever, but you've got to be open to all these things and all these surprises that might happen. I don't, I, I don't know why I can't get this out of my head, but it's the Simpsons, the Mr. Burns, when then if an offer comes back to you, say, yes, yes. You know, <laughs> buyers, don't do that, right? Yes, it's not always the thing. Yeah, you know, you not... can't say, yes, I'm going to take advantage of this. And it just it no. doesn't work like that all the time, you know? And typically it's not. And like you said, Gavin, they're coming back to you because of, you had a good base, right? Mm -hmm. You had a good base offer, but maybe we need to change one or two things right. and we can get to a deal. If you do that and change the whole deal, right. now you're changing the whole deal. We right. said that just the other day, I think, in the office. You're like, yeah. no, this isn't this isn't at all what we had. Right. You know, now so they the can counter say, can't be countered because it's not a counter, it's a new offer. We're basically, exactly, thank you, stole the words right out of my mouth. You're starting over. You're now starting over and they have to represent that offer and say, well, now they've changed all this. And they're like, I don't like any of that anymore. Right, and you've lost your position on that. And so you don't you don't want that to happen. That's why your positioning of your original offer is really important. You gotta think long and hard about it. Um, you gotta review it, you gotta be real. You gotta get real and you gotta be real. Yeah, and so I think that, you know, along with negotiations, I think the, the biggest key of advice is to be judicious in what you ask for. In yes. any aspect or any point in the transaction, right. be judicious about what you're asking for. Yep. Because if you keep taking, 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 and taking, at some point, they're just going to call you on it and say, no. Yep. And it might be at the most critical point where you really need something like, oh, I can't close <laughs> in 60 days. And they'll say, well, thank you very much because we've bent over backwards. But now we feel as if that you've not executed in a really critical piece of this transaction. Bye-bye. We're going to release you. Yeah. So that's why. Like we talked about in Buyer Basics, you get a home inspection done, you get a repairs list. Don't ask for the things that you can get done yourself in 30 seconds or less. Safety okay? and code. Safety and code. That's what that's I say what you're and doing. that's what I stress is that's great. safety and code. Yeah. If there's a railing, 
maybe we can request it. Yeah. But I really always apt for credits. Mm -hmm. I always I always try to try to do that. One, it's smoother, mm -hmm. typically, mm. and and two, it's easier just to cut you a check at closing. And you can fix that by who and what you want done. Right. It, you know because then it, you're in control, it, buyer. You're in control. Buyers are in control when they take the credit. You get some estimates. You figure out what it's going to cost. You accept that credit, and then you go and hire that contractor that you know, like, and trust, right. much like your agent, and then you get that repair done by yourself, and you know you're going to be satisfied with it. Right. Because a seller, that's going to come off their bottom line, and you know they're just trying to get through the transaction. Right. Sometimes sellers, believe it or not, and again, it depends on the type of property, not everybody's flush because they're a homeowner, <laughs> right? Yeah. So they're they're selling their house for a reason. That gets back to looping back to the the impetus of this entire episode is what's the buyer's motivation? How do we? Uh, um, what's the seller's motivation? How do we appeal to them? Why are they selling? We want to know that because maybe it's there's a hardship. And I've and I've also gone the other way too on the selling side. You know, the listing side is I've had to tell my sellers to stop. Oh sure. Stop. Stop making repairs, right? Because then they got in. They got. They were getting in past the the uh, the necessary code and safety, and then they were getting into like kind of personalization. And, yeah, 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 yeah. And no, so, no, no, no. and I and I was quick to advise against it because you know, and although they had the best hearts, they sure. the sellers. These sellers had the best hearts because they wanted to provide these buyers with the best house that they could get and that's awesome and that's they, an awesome these seller. people were great these people were great sellers they were honest forthright they wanted everything to work out great for that's these super. for these people that's super and but it's at one point i was like no 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 i said like, we've done everything they've asked we've done everything you said you were going to do don't do anything else because yeah, I don't would, get nuts i would hate for you to throw a throw a layer of paint on this room and then they just not like it anyways right and they're going to come in they, they're planning on coming in and repainting the whole house right themselves anyways they're going to personalize it to what they want yeah they've already seen the house in the condition it was yeah and we've already made a deal here yeah don't go changing don't go changing <laughs> yeah. don't go changing the house and have them either shocked or surprised possibly disappointed and say hey what the heck did you move that wall for or paint it that color and now i want to credit it closing so yeah. don't do that and the other thing too with negotiation just made me think of something funny too josh so you know sometimes you have a seller that is bending over backwards and that's great i mean the heart is there the intent is there all good intentions road to hell was paved with the best of intentions <laughs> keep in mind that throughout the transaction process and negotiations for the life of getting through that offer you rely on your agent. There's a reason why you're working with an agent. Let them speak for you. Um, you want to all of a sudden pick up the phone and, oh, I know so-and-so. You're going to muddy the water. Oh, I didn't realize so-and-so owned this. It's my Aunt Gemma's person. I'm going to call. No, don't do it. And it's not because we're mean, heartless people and we don't want you to talk to them. It's because you might say something inadvertently that is going to corrupt the transaction. And if you don't keep it in the lanes of the agents whose job it is to maintain the professional communication, they understand how to manage transaction, and you're just casually going out to the bar and having a beer and saying, whoops, I didn't mention that, you know, you know we've, we've got all this credit card debt, and all of a sudden it gets back to somebody, or you invited the seller to lunch, because you want to ask them about the house a little bit more. Please don't do that. 
sellers are, I would say sellers are proud people, you know, because and homeowners in general sure. are proud people, you know, and I know this because Stay I've, in your I've lane, though. done work on my house, Gavin, you've done work on your mm -hmm. house. It's, they're fun stories to tell. Do it after closing. After closing, because I'll tell you what, the story that you're going to tell is probably not as funny or amusing or proud as it's going to come off to someone that's about to buy your house. And this boy, is the I analogy. Did, yeah. I redid my electric, and boy, you should have <laughs> known the trouble we had with that. Yeah, don't go there. And all of a sudden, you're tarnishing what? everything. It's what? kind of like we all enjoy sausage, but we don't want to know how it was made. Hot dogs. Hot dogs. Okay. <laughs> Something like that. Right? Okay. So Don't ask what it's in. Yeah. Don't, yeah, yeah. You know, it's one of those things. So you might... Um, get on like gangbusters after the fact and develop a relationship. But during the course of that offer, even before the offer, during the transaction, etc., don't cross lanes. Don't because you have a, a familiar relationship or something. Don't do that. This is a business transaction and yeah. you might really damage it. Disclose what you need to. Deal in the facts. Tell the stories after. Yeah. Really, I think that's the best way. Would you say to, to, closing, to describe that? Invite them over for a cup of tea. Talk about the good old days and go from there. And be very happy that you had a wonderful transaction that closed seamlessly and smoothly with your agents. Absolutely. And with that, I think we kind of wrapped up offers. We did. Right? How to make an offer. A uh, lot more where that came from. But that should give you a good basis for what we do. Yeah, definitely. You know tune in listen up you know go back and listen to the other episodes if you haven't uh email us your questions uh get real estate podcast at gmail.com uh gavin our socials the instagram and facebook right yep uh get real estate podcast both insta and facebook and we're gonna be posting some really cool pictures of some new swag that Josh's wife, Kelsey, made. We're really excited. So yeah. follow us on social media. Leave your comments. Um, contact us. Collaborate with us. We love doing this, um, but we want to be responsive and collaborative to what our audience wants to know about real estate. So hit us up. Let us know if you like it because maybe there be, might be a giveaway here. You know? Oh, that's a great idea. And you could be a guest, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Thank you for tuning in with us today. We hope to see you next time. We're going to be doing this a lot more, so to be sure to leave us a review and a rating as it lets us reach more people and lets us know how we're doing. We hope you're doing well. Cheers until next time.